As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined, as always, by my friend and colleague Paul Tenorio. And Paul, I only have one question for you today to start the show. How about that apple? <laughs> yeah, how about how about that apple? That's a that's a really poor Goodwill Hunting reference. It took me a second to get it, but I got there eventually. I didn't. I thought about doing the Boston accent, um, but I chickened out. So understandably so. Uh, name pronunciations and accents typically go poorly on this on this podcast. Uh, usually it's me who's doing it and doing it poorly and you who making it's making fun of me. So, um, you know, smartly just opting I out bailed. of that one. I bailed. Um, MLS is not having to bail. They're only having to collect checks. Uh, this episode, to anyone that listens, no surprise what the subject matter will be. On Tuesday, Major League Soccer announced groundbreaking new broadcast deal with apple that according to sources we'll see the tech company pay the league a minimum of 2.5 billion dollars over the next 10 years paul and i are going to run down everything about this deal uh, how it's going to work what it might look like and of course the impact that it might have on MLS, both in the near and long run. Um, so, Paul, where do you want to start, man? Should we, should we just should we just explain it first of all? Is that the best way to to enter in? Because there are, uh, it's kind of a confusing deal. It's a little bit different than anything we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think it is confusing. And so, before we dive into that, because I think it's going to get a little bit dicey once we start to to dive into all the different nuances of this deal. Yeah, I was going to start with kind of a basic idea of what I what I out. think. Yeah, zoom out a little bit or just really like give a a quick thought, which is just that someone was asking me last night, what do I think about the deal? And I think based on your reporting, based on what what we were both hearing kind of behind the scenes, there was a lot of skepticism that MLS was going to get anything that came even close to approaching what they had hoped from the typical linear TV partners that we talk about. And this offer from Apple of a minimum of $250 million a year just completely blows it out of the water. And and so when you consider just purely the money here, I think it made this a no-brainer and there are going to be risks and there are going to be rewards to this. Um, 
you know, not being on local airwaves and markets and fans are going to complain about the ease or, or lack of ease of finding games versus just turning on their TV, as I've seen a few fans do on Twitter. But I think those risks are mitigated by money that far exceeds anything they would have gotten elsewhere. And yet, you know, even despite that, it's still, la- still far beyond other professional sports leagues, but it gets them at yeah. least better than where than where, where they were. And so I guess that's my basic, I want to start with that for fans to understand why did they go with Apple? Well, because financially it was a no brainer compared to what they would have gotten elsewhere. I think there's a lot more to it than just that, but we can get more into that a bit later on. First, I think it's just important to talk about kind of the basic outline of the steal. So Apple is going to show every single MLS regular season and League's Cup match starting in 2023 and continuing through 2032, which seems a very long way away from right now. (laughs) Um, The deal is also going to include games from MLS Next Pro, which is the developmental league, and MLS Next, which is the academy league. There will be no local blackouts, so you'll be able to stream every single game no matter where you are, anywhere in the world, in fact, um, which is a cool feature, to be to be frank. And how it will work from like a mechanical, technological standpoint, I think the best way for me to break it down is like this. Apple TV itself is like a platform. Within that platform, there are apps. Showtime has one. Apple TV Plus is one of those. Uh, MLS will have an app on the Apple TV platform. That app will cost money. We don't know how much money it will cost. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 200 bucks a season, what, whatever. I have no idea. Um, it will cost something, however. Every single MLS match will live in that app. Every single other piece of MLS-related content will live in that app that you will pay money for. There will be some MLS games that live outside of that app as well. Some of them will be available for free for everybody, Some of them will be available at no additional charge to people who subscribe to Apple TV Plus, which is the app or the streaming service that includes Ted Lasso and other shows. Uh, So that's the, the broad rundown. There's also a linear element in play here. And linear means basically the the channels that you tune tune to when you watch your, your TV at home. So from what I've been told, ESPN and Univision are likely to end up with, with a select number of matches. Uh, ESPN, the number we heard, did, did we print 23 to 25, Paul? Is that, yeah, do I have that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, 23 to 25 regular season games. Univision will get League's Cup, a lot of League's Cup matches as well. Um, some playoff games too, of course. So you will be able to watch those matches on national TV in the US. Those matches will also be on Apple TV. So they won't be exclusive to those national broadcasters. Uh, another cool feature of the Apple TV broadcasts, all of them will be in English and Spanish, which I think caught me a little by surprise, to be honest. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I think it'll be cool. Some of them will be in French, primarily Montreal, as you would expect. And then they're going to continue adding different language options for the broadcast as the years go by. Said Portuguese will be in play by year three. So I think that's that's pretty interesting. So that's essentially the broad sketch of how it's going to work. There will be no more local broadcasts. So for folks like me who are in New York, no more watching the Red Bulls on MSG, no more watching uh, NYCFC on Yes. For people like Paul in Chicago, no more watching the Fire on WGN and so on and so forth. All of those local games are going to be on Apple TV in this MLS app. So if you want to watch every single match of your team from 2023 on, you are going to have 
to subscribe to this service. Um, the good news, if you're a season ticket holder to an MLS team, it's free to you. So that's kind of cool as well. And I, and I think a nice little way to take care of the people that really support this league. So there's a lot to sort of parse through there, Paul. Yeah, um, I think I think that's putting it lightly. You, you mentioned the risks, the rewards. Um, but, you know, I want to start, I think, I mean, I don't even know where I want to start. There are so many things to talk about here. But local broadcasts are getting a lot of attention from fans and the lack of them. Um, some of them are concerned, hey, you know, I've spent the last 15 years listening to Brian Dunseth commentate Real Salt Lake matches. Is that going to happen anymore? And if not, is that good? Is that bad? How is that going to affect the league? So, Paul, let's walk through that one. Can you explain that to the people? Yeah, well, I think um, it's going to be a change and it's going to feel a lot more like NFL broadcasts do. I think that's the best comparison where... When you watch your local NFL team, you tune in to, like, I grew up in D.C., so if I wanted to watch the Commanders play, I would turn on Fox 5, and there would be a local pregame show. Um, And, you know, in later years, it would have guys like Brian Mitchell and local TV people on, and then the game would start, and it would be a national broadcast team. And sometimes you get the A team, sometimes you get the third team, sometimes you get the fourth team. And... You know, that didn't really change the viewing experience that much. I, in fact, oftentimes I think people can tend to prefer a national broadcaster to a local broadcaster um, in that the, the knowledge of both teams is stronger. But when you wanted to listen to local, you could turn on the local radio and sync it up with your TV and watch the game that way. And a lot of people will do that. And I think that that what one cool aspect is that will be available on the MLS app on Apple TV that you can select the local radio broadcast of your home team if you want to get a home broadcast. It's but, unclear, by the way, because not all teams, I believe, have local radio broadcasts. I would imagine so, that that will change yeah. because of this, because they'll no longer have the expense of producing their own TV broadcast. But I think well, what, well what, <laughs> that's not true. But anyway, we'll get back to that in a second. I, I think I think that we will see. A lot of familiar faces in those 10 to 14 broadcast teams that MLS ends up hiring for these these broadcasts. Like I like when I was talking to someone about this last night, Sam, you know, I was thinking of the names that I would expect to see. And the first name I said was Brian Dunseth because Dunny does national TV games. He's such a well-known figure in MLS circles. He does a really good job. I think Dunny will be around. Does that mean he'll be on every RSL game? Probably not. But I think his voice will be one of those heard by Major League Soccer. If I was doing the hiring, I think Dunny would be involved. So, yes, it'll be something different. It'll be a change. But I do think, and I know that people like the familiarity of the local broadcasters, and I, I, I know that they like the heavy and deeper knowledge of their local team. But I, I have seen a lot of local broadcasts, too, where that knowledge is so one-sided as to yeah. make the broadcast lack some of the some of the things that could maybe help drive audience on into those national games, right? Where you can tell stories and, and, and create narratives around all teams so that fans take interest in, in what's happening on both sides. So there's give and take here. You're losing the local flavor, but maybe you're gaining something and getting more of these kind of national perspectives. And for me, I think the most notable part is MLS is producing all of this stuff. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what the tone is like, what the conversations sound like on these broadcasts that are produced by the league itself. That's also a huge element to this. MLS is, is paying for the production 
of this. That's no cheap thing. According to people that I've spoken to that are familiar with this sort of stuff, they're sort of expecting MLS to spend 60 million a year just on production costs alone. That does not include the startup costs like renting or building a facility, hiring a ton of people immediately over the next eight months to get this thing launched. Um, so maybe in, in year one or year two, even it's, it'll be 70, 75 million something like that. So that's going to eat in to the broadcast revenue, which is an important consideration as well. So when you think about, oh, if they get to 300 million with Apple plus ESPN and Univision or, or any anyone else, you have to take out a chunk of that to get the real kind of breakdown. So that's an important consideration. Um, one thing that MLS bringing everything in-house will do is it will standardize the production. And I think that's been, you know, I, I don't want to go too hard here because everyone does their own thing in their own way, but there is a pretty wide disparity between quality of local broadcasts and different teams in MLS. And some of them look and feel really professional and sound really professional and others simply do not. And I believe that that is a problem. So when I think about the premier league and NBC and how that league has really grown in pro popularity since NBC took over from ESPN and Fox and whoever else was on it back in the day, uh, one of the reasons that I think people like it so much is because of the production. They do a really nice job in presenting those games with the pregame shows, with halftimes, with postgames, with on-field interviews, with just the way the, the scoreboard looks and the graphics package works. And so MLS will have an opportunity to build something similar. They have to execute it, and that's going to require a lot of work and a lot of people in a very short amount of time, and I'm going to keep emphasizing this throughout the show. It's going to be very hard for MLS to pull this off in a successful way over the next eight months. I have faith that over the 10-year life of the deal, they'll get it to a good place, but I think there are going to be some significant hiccups at the beginning of this process. So when we're talking about the start of the 2023 season, maybe buckle up a little bit. And, yeah. and that's that's not anyone on the production side's fault. It's just they don't have enough time really so that's something to keep an eye on too well sam uh, to dive into that i mean I, you and i both did a little bit of research when you first started hearing that apple was involved into kind of what the broadcasts were like on apple and i think one thing that stands out from this deal in regards to essentially what you talked about with nbc the the presentation of games the look and the feel the storytelling that occurs within these broadcasts the ability to elevate the atmospheres that are the biggest selling point for Major League Soccer. Like Apple is really good at branding, at presentation, at look, at those types they, of they things. They are, but MLS is running the show on this, not MLS Apple. MLS is running the show, but I do think that elements of Apple and those sides of Apple are going to be involved. Now, the question is, where does MLS push it? Because when we talk about MLB's broadcast on Apple, the look of the broadcast has been praised. It's the tone and the voice and the choices made by MLB, which also produces those shows, that has created more debate. And I think we, I think we will see MLS take some more risks and try different things. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but those are other areas where maybe we will see some of those hiccups. And that, that's even putting aside all the things that you're talking about of, hire, of filling out this studio getting yeah. the right producers, getting the right directors, learning how to do uh, and communicate with these remote productions. I mean, I can tell you from my own experience, having done games on local broadcast and a national broadcast. I mean, I did a national broadcast remotely 
And, you know, multiple, I, I was on site, the producers and directors were off site. And even that, like th- there were issues that, that came up there that were different than anything I had ever experienced on the local broadcast where they were right outside in the truck. And, and it was, you know, partly because it was remote. So those types of things are going to happen. Um, but I do think that there is some, some level of significance to aligning with the Apple brand. And it's not just the exposure yeah. that Apple provides, which is significant, is real. Um, it's a very well-regarded brand. It's got a presence in a lot of people's pockets and a lot of people's homes. And it creates some real visibility for the league. But I think also, you know, the, the, the kind of digital branding of the league, I think, will be influenced and impacted by the partnership with Apple. And I hope that that translates into what we see on the screen in the broadcast yeah it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out over the coming months and years certainly um paul you mentioned reach and breadth and width and how many homes you're getting into um you know i don't think it's any secret that the number of homes espn is in has declined over the years as as people have cut the cord and whatnot that being said espn and espn plus still have way more reach than apple tv and I'm curious to see what that looks like. I mean, you can, you can, you don't, like I said, you don't need to subscribe to Apple TV plus. You just have to go on the Apple TV platform and subscribe to the MLS service. The Apple TV platform itself is free. Anyone can, can log on to that. No problem from any, basically any device that connects to the internet. Um, but there's not that same kind of brand awareness, I think for Apple TV that there is for ESPN plus. And I think that there will be some lag there. I think the price point is crucial. Because if this thing is expensive, MLS is already a niche league. If this thing is expensive, some of the people that even watch the national TV games aren't going to be signing up for it. And maybe you're limiting your audience in a way there. Uh, And that's one of the risks, I think. But back to your original point, I think the money was too good to pass up. And I think some of the other things that are offered here um, also too good to pass up. So let's spend some time, I think, with the money. And just like how different this is. So the the current deal that is ending at the end of this year, MLS basically gets between 60 and $65 million per year from its American broadcast partners, ESPN, Fox, and Univision. U.S. soccer gets about $25 million a year um, in that same deal. They contracted with MLS through Soccer United Marketing to sell their rights. They split that eventually. Um, so... <laughs> Going from 60 to 65 to, you know, if, if we do the 225, say, net, um, that's a big, big increase. However, there are many more teams now. And Paul, we did the breakdown. We don't need to do the math on the podcast, <laughs> but we did the breakdown and, and it looks like it'll net out to about seven and a half million or so per team in take-home pay once MLS gets to 30 teams. So that's per team per year. That's a big increase and it's meaningful. But I don't think that's enough of an increase from the, what, two and a half, two million or so that teams receive right now to really make a world-changing difference in the short term for MLS. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. And remember, that two and a half or so million per year that the teams get now from the national broadcast, that's also... Um, not including the cost that they spend per year on the local broadcasts, which right. is significant for every. And team. some teams, very few, but some make money. Some make money. Bro- a couple, a handful, yeah. a handful of them. Um, but uh, most of them lose money um, for paying those production costs. So keep that in mind as well. But yeah, I mean, I think 
what's interesting to me is that there is a parallel, in my opinion, between the TV deal that was signed back in 2014, was it? or tw- Yeah, 2014 with, with Fox, Univision, and, and uh, ESPN, and this one in that, you know, I remember when I was talking about this TV, TV deal way back when it first started, and even in the last couple of years as we were preparing for this deal to happen, about how that deal came together. And a part of it was that MLS signed a longer term deal with those partners because they were in the minds of the media landscape overpaying for major league soccer and their belief that the league would grow enough to justify what they were paying for the league. And that never really happened, right? Which is why the money didn't really change with those partners or, or the interest from those partners declined even from where that, from where it was eight years ago. And I think the trade-off for MLS was if it if it grew a lot, that they were locked into a, an eight-year deal and that those partners eventually on the back end of the deal right. might be getting a good bargain. And I think that the attitude is the exact same here from Apple. It's we're overpaying. We can't afford it even more than those other media companies could have eight years ago. And, you know, maybe this will pay off down the road after the 2026 World Cup as you know, as the sport grows and the World Cup occurs and and Major League Soccer grows. We saw that it didn't really work that way in this last deal. And so I'll be interested to see how it works. But that's the trade-off for MLS is that you're locking yourself into a number, Sam, as you said, that's not really a game-changing number for the league. And you're now locked into that number for 10 years. And and all of those other leagues that you're still trailing behind, all of their deals come up while yours is still running. So the gap is going to continue to grow between Major League Soccer and these other leagues. But again, they didn't really have better options other than to maybe sign a short-term deal and hope that they could get a bounce off off of the World Cup. And I, I think the owners clearly made a decision that the the risk of taking a short-term deal was greater than the risk of taking this long-term guarantee and believing that the growth, if the growth happens the way they think it would, that 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 revenue share agreement that's baked in there yeah. is where they'll make up that that lost revenue. Right. And so just to expand on that a little bit, the $250 million average annual number that Apple will be paying MLS. And I, I doubt that it'll be $250 million flat per year. I'm guessing it'll start lower and end higher and it's just an average. That is the minimum because there is that revenue share agreement. So if, if that MLS app within Apple TV gets a certain number of subscribers... As soon as that threshold gets crossed, Apple begins to share revenue with MLS from all the subscribers above that threshold. So that's something to keep an eye on. As and well. Sam, you and I can talk about that a little bit more as two people experienced in selling subscriptions. I have some thoughts on that as well. But you know, <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting. Are you, are model. you out here selling for the athletic? I mean, doing marketing work. I mean, we're not doing marketing work, but our work has been selling subscriptions. We 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 work on a subscription model. And so we have a good idea of it. I, I happen to be a believer. Let's just dive into it right now. I happen to be a believer that subscription models and paywalls are great, have been a great thing for soccer overall and showing that there is an audience that maybe isn't as valuable in the typical measured way of media and clicks and in viewers, but, you know, still exists and can still be important and can be monetized. But I think the greater challenge exists where when you start to branch off into just soccer. So 
selling a subscription for The Athletic where you read a soccer story or the first three paragraphs of one of Sam's features and you say, man, this this story is really cool on Stephen Lenhart. Like, I'll, I want to subscribe. And when you're hitting that button to subscribe, you're, you're getting Sam's stories and you're getting our American soccer coverage, but you know that you're also getting pretty much any other team in the United States and in the Premier League that you want. And that is another selling point. And the same goes for ESPN+. Plus. You might have been subscribing to watch every single local broadcast for Major League Soccer outside of your market, but you were also getting everything else that ESPN Plus brought to the table. The challenge here for Major League Soccer is they're going to be selling subscriptions to an app that's just for Major League Soccer. And so that makes me nervous, Paul. It, it, it should, because it's going to be very, very hard to expand your audience. And what's interesting is we've heard arguments about where the effectiveness of the athletic is in growing audience for a league. Because when you're in a subscription model, people are you're catering to fans that already exist around those leagues. <laughs> And we've heard this argument from people maybe within the league, by the way. Right. And now MLS faces that exact same problem in that they have created a product for fans who want MLS and those fans already exist. And the big challenge that this league faces is growing that fan base, growing that audience. And there's there's a real downside here to being behind a paywall on an MLS specific app versus where I think this could eventually go and maybe eventually should go, which is that it's included with an Apple Plus subscription to be able to reach a bigger audience. And you, you already see, right, that that's baked into this a little bit, that there will be some games available to Apple Plus subscribers to try to pull in that audience. But I think that's the biggest challenge that MLS faces. And I don't think they realize that the, the challenge that they're in for in selling a subscription for an MLS-only app that won't give any supplemental coverage, won't include anything else, that that's going to be a challenge to grow the league. Over under 200,000 people sign up for it in 2023. Uh, well, are we counting I mean, we the season ticket holders? We don't know the price. No, not counting the season ticket holders because that would get you over. Under? Yeah, I would say under if you if you're because again, this audience that already exists, there there are these incredible die hard fans. The people who are listening to this episode that we're talking about this right They'll now are diehard it. MLS <laughs> fans, right? They yeah. understand that that this this is this great community that exists that we are very much a part of, that we cater to, that our coverage is consumed by. And they will read all of the things that you give them, and they are looking for more of it. And we argue all the time to grow the coverage both internally at The Athletic and externally in other outlets because this audience audience does exist and it's underserved. So that's important to, to serve that audience, and I think it I think it's there. But a lot of the, that audience is already buying season tickets, so that audience is baked in, and they're going to get free subscriptions to this service. So how many are you going to sell outside of that? Well, all of the people who don't have the full season ticket package, you know, you'll get those, and you'll probably get a handful, like a relative handful of, of soccer fans who watch from afar or have moved out of their respective cities and remain fans of those teams. And I think you'll get kind of the smaller audiences that exist globally. Um, like they will sell some of these subscriptions, but there's a real challenge here in, in convincing a casual soccer fan who maybe is interested in getting into MLS 
to pay for a subscription. I went back and looked through my email, Sam, um, on my 2014 MLS Live subscription, which is what existed before. I loved MLS Live, by the way. I loved MLS Live, too. And in fact, we talk about it being uh, available globally. I watched... Oh, this was this is such a bad admission to make. I, Were I you like on your honeymoon this. watching MLS games? I watched MLS games on my honeymoon. Ugh. Orlando City games on my honeymoon. You're sick. Uh, international you are on sick. MLS Live <laughs> on on my uh, on my iPad in a hammock <sighs> on my honeymoon. To be fair, my wife was reading a book. There's not that much it of a difference. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Paul, we're um, going to break on this. I, wait, need time I just want to say the package in 2014 for the full season subscription was $53. So that was with 20 teams. So I imagine that we will see something above $75 a year, a season for this package for MLS. I think that's a pretty good estimate based on where the 2014 full season subscription was for, for 20 team MLS. I didn't hear anything you just said. I was just imagining you and wherever you were, whatever tropical paradise you were at in a hammock watching a New York Red Bulls Philadelphia Union Wednesday night match on an iPad. I have a picture of it. I'll send it to you. I have a picture. You disgust me. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a break. And, and afterward, I will come back with a little bit more of a positive spin uh, compared to what Paul was just talking about. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we are back. Allocation disorder. Paul Tenorio just showed me a picture that he has on his phone of himself in a hammock with his laptop on his lap. And I don't even know what island you were on, but you were watching some MLS game on your honeymoon. And I'm just I'm just increasingly upset about this. I don't know I, if I I'm going to be able to continue. It is a Montreal Chicago game. It is 0-0 in the 20th minute. And, what year? Uh, 2014, you said? 2015. 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. So this was, was Drogba involved? Yeah. All right. I think there so. you go. Well, Might have been his first game. All right, so Drogba's first game. Maybe. I don't know. I got to look. I don't, it might not have been his first game, but I think it was the game where he threw Eric Gehrig to the ground. Uh, he did a and, lot of physically violent things in MLS. <laughs> I think that's an underrated part of his time in the league, but we digress. Paul, in the last segment, you were talking about some of the negatives and how Apple TV, it's a niche product for a niche product in MLS. And how it might be hard to get people to actually sign up. And how it might be hard to get people to actually watch games if they're not signing up. And that could be an issue for MLS. And I agree with that. However, I do think there are some positives here. First of all, if MLS just continued in the linear model and out-of-market streaming and same sort of format that they have in the current deal, what, what evidence is there? throughout 25 history, 25 years of history to suggest that they would grow an audience doing that. They've been doing it for a quarter century and it hasn't worked. 
So you kind of have to try something new, right? And, and while there are concerns there and they are legitimate about how many subscriptions people will buy to this MLS app on Apple TV and how many people will be watching these games, there is still a linear element, which I think is important. It's not like that's going away entirely, A. But B, I think this gives you so many new possibilities in terms of the other types of content that you can produce. I think we've, I don't even know if we've mentioned the whip around show yet which is going to be awesome, I think. I'm very excited about this. MLS is going to strategically put as many games as possible on Saturday nights and Wednesday nights with few exceptions for linear windows on TV and stadium availability. So most games will be Wednesday night or Saturday night, and most of those will be on Saturday night. And they'll have up to six hours of a whip around show, dipping in and out of games, having interviews, studio hosts, analysts, talking about these matches, um, BSing, I'm sure, on TV and just trying to create like a fun product, much like Hercules Gomez and Sebi Salazar did it recently in Open Cup with their whip around shows there. NFL yeah, Red, Red Zone. Zone, of course, Red Zone is, is, but I think that's such a good way to digest this league because there are too many games to be able to follow it all on a weekend. There's 14 a weekend. It's impossible. You can't watch them all. So I think that's a really cool thing. But then the other parts of this I'm curious about, what's the weekday programming going to look like? MLS is going to be producing that too. And given the short runway, again, I'm not necessarily expecting them to blow things out right off the bat. But I think eventually you have some really good possibilities in terms of trying to create, you know, the holy grail of sports television, the inside the NBA type type of show uh, from TNT. But even like a good morning football, like on NFL Network, it's not something I watch very often at all, but I know it gets rave reviews and every time I've seen it, it's been fun and enjoyable. So can you create things like that? Because with ESPN and with Fox, you weren't ever getting that. You weren't breaking through on those networks in a real way. All you were getting was the two or two and a half hour game window plus maybe a 20 minute pregame show. And then you were forgotten for the rest of the week. So I think this deal will allow MLS to have an easier time building narratives, creating conversations. And while there are concerns about how far those narratives will reach and how far they will go, um, I think that that's a really cool opportunity. And one other thing here that I think is important, um, I can't remember if you mentioned this on the air or off the air, but you know everybody's got an iPhone and iPhones are connected to Apple News. Those things are downloaded onto your phone when you get them. They can send alerts through that stuff. So Gary Stevenson, one of the big wigs at MLS, uh, he talked about this a little bit, you know, and he, he he said, imagine if an MLS team sends a star player from Columbia. Immediately, MLS has the ability to serve content to those fans in Columbia of that particular player in the Apple global distribution system, whether it's Apple News, Apple Health and Fitness, Apple Watches, Apple Music, all of those different areas that we expect to be integrated in and go forward with with Apple. So to me, and this is, I'm quoting here. So to me, when you think about what are the intangibles here and why does this really make the most sense, it makes the most sense because that we have that ability to distribute content and no other partner, in my opinion, would give them that ability. And I think that's an important thing and an important long-term consideration because MLS needs more storylines. They need them. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's a drum we've been banging on for a long time. I think telling stories people watch sports for the stories yeah they they watch for the emotional connection as well certainly i think we you know i i personally have kind of gone through um a renaissance in thinking about why why people watch sports and and the connections that occur at every single game that we cover that we don't think about as often in our coverage but 
you know, every game we cover somewhere in that stands, there's there's a memory being made or a connection happening yeah. that influence why people watch sports. And but I do think that storytelling is such an important part of growing audience. And I do think that's what MLS has lacked nationally in especially in kind of broadcast capacity in, in the things that people watch the most, which frankly, and, and is ESPN. It's, it's the shows on ESPN. That, that's what people consume. We've seen this, the challenges that FS1 and other networks have had in trying to compete with ESPN. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so when you lack those conversations that tell you why you should be tuning into a game on the weekend, those audiences aren't going to show up. And when you do have those conversations, and I think the best example in Major League Soccer has been Zlatan, when those conversations are are happening, people will tune in. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you told me I should watch Zlatan because he's this and he's that, or I saw him on the show and he's funny and everyone said he's great. I'm going to watch. And then and then he usually Zlatan would deliver. But that's why those audiences were there, or when Freddie Adu was making his debut. And all the conversations on all the shows was about Freddie Adu, the next Pelé making his debut. Right. Now the problem is for that game. on Apple TV... If the, if the content's living there, are you shouting into an echo chamber? And I think sure. that's where the Apple suite of products that Stevenson mentioned is, is important. For sure. The support from Apple can be real. And the hope is that it's real in a way that, yeah, you, you click on Apple News because it's there and it's potentially useful to you. Or you want to try something once or twice and see if you like it, like the health app on Apple and how am I going to use this or am I not going to use it or whatever. And you don't want it to be like you too, right, where you get a whole album that you didn't want. Um, you, you want it to be, you want it to be something that people actually want. But I do think that there's still, even in that echo chamber in the MLS app, I think Sam, it's useful to kind of think about it the way you were talking about it, which is kind of like NFL network, that this is a new version of an NFL network because it's a streaming version of NFL network. And I think that those, that there are also possibilities of embracing that, space for content to tell behind the scenes stories to do feature shows to do nfl films type of work that create and drive home the characters in this league and the stories that are happening behind the scenes that might do something that hasn't yet happened to the scale it needs to happen which is to make an mls fan in portland a casual MLS fan, even a casual just under diehard, like a, a season Maybe ticket holder. Season ticket holder, yeah. Care about Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas City enough to tune into a Sporting Kansas City FC Dallas game because that's not happening right now, right? Yeah. There is a larger audience than what is tuning into all of these specific games, but they're just most fans in MLS are just interested in their team. And so this storytelling within the MLS app does have a potential, the potential to create content that will push fans to care more about other games. And that could make an impact on what we see of the linear audiences on Univision or on ESPN for those national TV games, potentially. But it it does create this storytelling space that didn't exist before. And people watch those spaces in terms of in the media world. I think that's the best help, Paul, is that because it is going to be a little echo chambery in there. I think it opens up the possibilities in terms of the quality and the quantity of things that will be available to MLS. But I think the best hope is that, hey, they produce a really good piece of content about something or about someone or about a team and ESPN sees it and kind of runs with that and, and you know, well, kind of expands on it. And then it becomes maybe not mainstream, certainly, but a little bit more part of the public sporting consciousness. Yeah. And I think also creating talent that that thinks of MLS in a, in a normal way matters that that there are crossover people like it matters to have Taylor Twelman on 
the sports nation shows and things like that because he will introduce soccer to the conversation in a knowledgeable way in a consumable way onto shows where the the discussion wouldn't happen um and you know even someone like rachel Benetta, who worked for mls for a long time and now has grown beyond that like her attitude about mls if that story ever came across what she was working on is going to be different than it would have been for somebody who never worked in in the league or in the space and we're seeing that transition happen kind of slowly and naturally as as soccer the attitude around soccer changes and people grow up with the sport more their knowledge of the sport when we look at anchor desks and even beyond that when you go to sports editors and newspapers and things like that is slowly starting to change but you know maybe maybe being somewhere that maybe this accelerates can, it yeah maybe you can find people that you develop the talent and they move on they leave the mls network or whatever it's going to be called and go on to bigger and better things but they bring with them a, uh, an understanding of the league an understanding of the fan bases and a knowledge onto those mainstream networks that help to grow the league as well all of those things matter um, but I certainly think also, again, I'll emphasize, like, I hope that the league recognizes that, you know, sometimes writing about or not writing about showcasing everything, showing some of the wart sometimes is is just as important because those are the storylines sometimes that drive audience. Right. We only do propaganda because for U.S. soccer because we're paid by the Federation right, to of cover course. the national team, not right. for MLS, just yes. strictly the USMNT. Occasionally MLS propaganda, depending on how... How far we get pushed, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that's a good shout. Paul, let's, I, I want to talk about kind of the sporting side of this um, in the third segment, but I want to talk about why would Apple do this uh, now? Because $250 million a year for a league that doesn't get good ratings, it doesn't have a big audience, and you're putting it on a platform that is probably going to have even less of an audience than what we've seen on linear TV. You know, Jeff Ruder and I were doing a little bit of math yesterday. And if this MLS app costs $5 a month, then Apple will need to get 4.16 million subscribers per year to hit break even on that $250 million payment. That seems wildly unrealistic to think that they would even get with, if they even get within half of that number would be like a massive massive, massive success. Even a quarter of that number would be a great story. So I think it's fair to say they're not doing this for a purely, uh, you know, profit and loss motive. Um, but I think it's worth exploring a little bit. Give a little context on Apple. Paul, I think you mentioned to me that they had $365 billion in revenue in 2021. Uh, that's a lot of money. $250 million to them. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to go buy a sandwich after this, after we finish recording this, this podcast. I think it's probably about the same to them. Uh, th that 250 million is the sandwich will be to me. So this doesn't matter. And it's an entry point for them into the sports universe. So what do you think? Why, why do you think Apple did this? Because they could, I think because they could, and they, they're interested in going into sports. They want to grow Apple TV and they, they look at live sports as a way to do that. As many of these broadcasters have, Right. We've seen it from CBS with Paramount Plus. NBC has Peacock, ESPN with ESPN Plus. Continue. Turner Sports and HBO are doing one now. Everyone's getting into the streaming business and everyone is identifying sports as a way to pull people in. And not coincidentally, all of those aforementioned streaming services have used soccer. 
because soccer fans are typically of a, de- a certain demographic and a certain age range. And, that and let's be f- honest, there's a million leagues and they're available to purchase. Yeah, and also, but those fans are tech savvy. They're they're already streaming games. They're already cord cutters. And so they're willing to subscribe and they don't have access to those games as easily. And so they are willing to subscribe to get them. They're passionate fans. And so just as ESPN Plus used MLS to launch its soccer product on ESPN Plus and was one of the first leagues that they... It's entire product. Yeah, it's entire product. It was one of the first league that they put on ESPN Plus. I think Apple is doing the same. Same with Peacock. And right. Premier League, you know, right. Same so with Paramount Plus and, and Syria. Yeah. So, I mean, soccer up. has been that for a lot of these streaming services. And, and obviously Apple started with with Major League Baseball, but this is the whole, a whole league yeah. uh, and all of these games. And so it's pr- and it's cheap relative to what they would have to spend for other leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is Joe Mansueto paying a homegrown player, not a DP. And and it's a lot easier to justify that and and to understand that. Hey, it has growth potential, all of that, sure. But we're really also making an announcement to the greater sports world, to the entire landscape that we are interested in getting into this space, that we are interested in in paying real money for it, that we will continue to show what the product looks like in our space and that people are willing to come here to watch these sports. And, you know, that helps in negotiations for Sunday ticket. That helps in negotiations down the road for, you know, a Thursday night football package or whatever might be next. Um, you know, I think it just makes business sense of, hey, we we are announcing ourselves in this space in a bigger way and in a way that is super affordable by media rights uh, standards. Yeah, I think the signal to the other leagues is an important part of this as well. You know, our colleague Matt Slater, who's over in the UK and does a really great job covering kind of the business elements of the sport over there. He wrote one section in our explainer article on The Athletic about this entire deal and Basically, his section was, what does a deal like this mean for European leagues? And he said, from a competition point of view, nothing. MLS is still going to be below. No problem. Um, But the real significance of this deal for leagues like the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A or even the Champions League is that Apple has finally taken the plunge. And maybe this is a new frontier and something that they can, some money that they can find now going forward. And I think that's interesting for Apple, certainly, it's interesting for those leagues, but I also think it's interesting for MLS when you talk about how much support is Apple going to give this MLS product, right? Because right now, from a sports perspective, it's MLS and it's a Friday night doubleheader with MLB. So I think it's safe to assume that Apple will give some some love and attention to MLS. But if they sign up Sunday Ticket with the NFL, like they're reported to be interested in doing, or they sign up a big European league or whatever, then I think that potential... Yeah, it makes me a little bit nervous. Does MLS fall down that pecking order then? I don't know. Possibly. Um, so that's something to consider as well. Um, but Paul, as Lyle is digging in the background, I don't know if you guys can hear that. He's, he's going hard. Um, Mike, our producer, brought up an interesting question. Where does Leo Messi fit into this deal? Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly fits into the picture somehow. Um we have heard rumors of Messi coming to MLS. He's essentially said it publicly that he would be interested in coming to MLS at the right time in his career. That right time is fast approaching. The World Cup is in November. There's very little for Messi to do after that, after he potentially and and hopefully in tries my mind, to win, he tries to win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, after that, there there's not much left. So um, 
Is there an increased value in Messi in MLS? Absolutely. Is there even more increased value in M- Messi in MLS for a global platform like Apple to be able to sell subscriptions in Argentina and in Spain and in the everywhere, rest of the world? Everywhere. Like everywhere else? <laughs> yes. There's in- an incredible amount of value. So do I think that this, that that factored in? Certainly, I think it was discussed. Do I think if there is any inkling of a deal being done that this played a role? Absolutely. And as it should, because he is he would be the the biggest global brand in this product, uh, including MLS. Yeah. And it's signs certainly seem to be pointing towards him in Miami at this point, maybe maybe as early as next summer. So if MLS has a good read on that, I'm sure they, you know, maybe let it slip to Apple like, hey, might have a pretty big fish in this pond pretty dang soon. Paul, I want to talk more about the sporting side of this, but I want to take a break first. Let's take a pause. We'll come back and we'll talk more about how this league, this deal will affect the league in terms of the type of players it can attract and in terms of the amount of money teams will be able to spend on their rosters. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, Paul, back for the final segment, breaking down MLS's historic, groundbreaking, exciting, very interesting new deal with Apple. Um, We spoke about this a little bit in the first segment of the show about the money aspect of the deal and how it looks like teams will be taking five million bucks or more so home per year than they did in the current TV deal off of the back of this deal when it's all said and done. we also said that because of that, we don't think this will be an earth-shaking move for MLS from a financial standpoint. But let's dive deeper into it. What do you think this means for teams around the league and how much they can spend on players and what type of players they can attract and rosters and our allocation disorder bread and butter? Yeah, I think um, I don't think the money with Apple is going to change that outlook at all. Like you said, it's just not enough. I mean, it could it could slightly adjust spend, and it will because of the revenue share agreement with the players. That money, that twelve and a half percent in the first two years, and twenty five percent in the second two years, above one hundred and sixty five million, essentially. I think it, it'll probably shake out to be what like nine hundred thousand for twelve and a half percent, and then one point eight million or so, and and that's into the cap. Right. That and that goes into the cap. Right. Like that. So yes, we will see an impact there. Right. That there will be more cap space um, per team but not earth-shattering cap space. That being said, I believe that there will be a recognition of what the interests look like from linear partners. 
that and of what the messages were in those negotiating ses- sessions with partners that have been there for a long time, ESPN since the beginning, that are essentially saying, until you're able to show us that you can deliver a, a better product with bigger audiences, the money's not going to budge. We're not, we're not going to give you more than what we've been giving you. And I think that people are going to take that as, as something to really consider and chew on and say, okay... Are there ways that we can change how we spend, not necessarily how much we spend, that will enhance what each dollar is worth in our spend in this league? And we've heard now multiple people hinting at that, that they want change or that they believe change is coming. That might not be next year. It might not be in two years. But I do think that they're working on it. I do think there are discussions that are happening. You're Um, a believer. I'm a believer. And I don't know how where those talks are yet. And, and to give you an idea, I mean, I wrote about Young Money. It was the first article, essentially, second article I published in 2018 when I came to The Athletic. And when did the U22 initiative come into effect? You? It was your idea? It was not my idea. The discussions <laughs> were happening. And at the time, we called it the, the, y, the YDP. YDP? Young Designated Player, Youth no, Transfer some, Fund. Oh, y, YTF. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, the YTF, the Youth Transfer Fund. And I wrote about it in May of 2018. And I think it was introduced into the league in March or April of 2021. So essentially three years. And when I heard about it and and enough to write about it in 18, it had been worked on for a year or two ahead of that. So that's a five-year window of it before it was went from when it was an idea to when it came into the league. So things move slowly, but the fact that the conversations are happening, I think we could be at the beginning of a process like that. Not that it's necessarily going to take five years. It could take three years. It could take two years. But I think the conversations are happening because more owners want more control of the, the way their money is spent. They don't like being told no um, when they want to do stuff. And I think also Who does? they're looking they're, they're looking at what, what the interest was in this market and saying, okay, what can we do to improve the product? I do think that that is a goal of the league ahead of 2026. And 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 so, yeah, I think that there is an impact to this deal, but it's maybe the impact is why this deal happened the way it did, not necessarily what the money looks like in this deal. And when you say the way it did, basically the linear partners weren't really that interested, as I reported, and they certainly weren't interested in any, num- any, any financial way that would have been good. It was super eloquent of me, I know. But uh, yeah, it was it was a relatively bleak picture from from that side of things. Not so bleak from Apple. Um, to put a little bit of a finer point on it, you know, when you talk about that gain of five million or so, give or take, I think some teams will take that five million dollars and invest it entirely into their first team, down to the last penny. And I think that's a, good, a really good thing. Some teams there will be a mix. Some teams will use some of it on their academy or their infrastructure or their MLS Next Pro team, um, and some of it on their first team. Some teams will use some of it for sporting and, and save some of it. Some teams will spend on their business side. Other teams will probably save a lot of it and pocket a lot of it. And so I think there will be a mixture or pay off debt or whatever. Might yeah, be. yeah, yeah. And so I think there will be a mixture there. Um, we also have to keep in mind that the prices for players, you know, equivalent players, have risen a lot since 2014 the average guy in 2022 costs a lot more than he did eight years ago not just in mls but around the world so that's part of this equation as well um but overall paul i think that this deal while it has you know some pitfalls potentially that we've discussed on this show 
I think it I think it really does leave the league in a better position. Certainly a more interesting position. I think certainly the ceiling is a lot higher than the current arrangement. Um, ahead of the 2026 World Cup than it was yesterday or the day before or last week. I guess not yesterday. They announced it on Tuesday or recording Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but you get my point. Uh, so I think this is, a, on the whole, a relatively positive thing for MLS. There will be some hiccups. There will be some headaches. There will be some people that don't like it. There will be people that don't like elements of it. Um, but on the whole, I think this is a good deal for the league. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. A lot of possibilities, and I hope they just try and take advantage of them. I hope it's not a situation where they take the TV money and they try and skimp on production costs and they try and skimp on the the other programming that they do besides game days because that is such an important part of this. And presentation really does matter. And it can make something that isn't the best league in the world feel a lot better than maybe it is otherwise when the presentation isn't good. So I hope they I hope they really invest in that. And it remains to be seen. But that's my biggest kind of hope slash concern about this deal. Do you have any anything yeah. in those categories? Well I would say that actually one of the things I'm most optimistic about in this deal is that Apple being the partner kind of a part a big part of this and a big part of that money is making sure that you don't scamp that that presentation of the product is really important they do have standards yeah yeah and i think i think again i think that they will play a role in the presentation even though they're not producing it i think they certainly are going to play a role because it's it's now a featured product on their platform um so i I feel good i agree with you sam at the end of the day when i pull back and look at this do i have concerns yes i voiced many of them here about how they can grow it about what the audience could look like those are legitimate concerns that they're going to face and we face them at the athletic and you know that that's just the reality any media company faces. yeah of of any audience you're going into but especially one like soccer that is actually a growth area and how do you grow it and how do you how do you best reach new people and educate them and pull them in and all of these different things that that we experience. Like these are the challenges that MLS will face with this. But I agree with you. When you look at the landscape and you look at what else was on the table and you look at what Apple can do, the exposure it can bring, the the branding it can bring, the audience it could potentially help you reach, the global reach of the company, all of those things are positives. The money that they're getting from Apple, yes, it's not anywhere close to the other leagues. It was never going to be. Like right. that's not a valid point. It was never going to be. So this is good. It's more than they had before. That is good. It is way above what we thought it was going to be. That mm-hmm. is very good. And so, for those listening at the league that came after me a little bit when I wrote an article saying that, you know, people were expecting around two hundred million and they're being like, Oh, Sam, you're such a pessimist. Well, you know what? I said it then. I'll say it now. I'm happy that MLS got more money. It's good for the league. It's good for the sport in this country. I'm unashamedly going to be behind the sport and the growth of it in the U.S. and in Canada. And that's that's good. It's good for us, Paul. Like there's, you know, all, all rising tide lifts all boats, that kind of deal. But I am happy that MLS got more than I thought they would. Yeah, it's a good deal for the league. And the question now is how good can it be? How will, to your point, how will they take advantage of it? How, what will this content look like? What will the presentation look like? How long will it get, take to get up to speed to where they need to be? But I think, you know, there are, there are, there are good decisions that can be made, the right decisions that can be made going forward, the talent, the producers, the directors that they bring in, the way that they roll this out, the way the presentation looks, there is a direction they can take this that could be really successful. And, and I think also 
to your point, there is still going to be a linear product that matters. And I don't think we should overlook the the value of Univision covering the League's Cup and how important that's going to be for this league. I think it's going to be very important. There are all these areas of growth that still exist. The World Cup, the League's Cup, um, this new TV deal. People should be bullish on where this league could go. Um, could being the operative word. Could being could. the operative because word. Because there but, are a lot of problems that they need to solve independent of any of this right. in order to get there. And they but haven't yeah, but done those, it yet. Those decisions that we talked, we just touched on briefly, the sporting decisions, the the changes that need to happen there, that's not that's not going away with this new deal. There there is still there are still these areas of the league that need to change in, in order for them to really truly compete in this marketplace that exi- this global marketplace for this global sport. And you know, I think if they do make those changes to go along with all of these other areas of, of potential growth, the World Cup, the League's Cup, this new app, this new platform, then it can be a really good thing for the league. Yep. I think the bottom line is that the ceiling is higher than it was last week. And will they hit it? I don't know. That's an open question. But they have a better chance now than they did before. And then the other open question, Paul, is how much money Apple TV is going to pay to to get allocation disorder. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. $250 well, Sam- million dollars a year, though. I would listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um kidding yeah and 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 before (laughs) before we close this episode off um i do want to say one thing um on a serious note which is you know a few weeks uh, i guess a a few months back i i covered the u.s and costa rica and after that game that night emotional night i talked about my dad and um what he was going through and what it meant to cover that game and a lot of people that listened to allocation disorder reached out to me um in comments on the app in dms on twitter uh, in text messages and emails, um, just to, just to say, um, a kind word or two and it meant a lot. And, you know, the allocation disorder family, our, our audience that's, that's out there, um, you know, have kind of shown themselves even more during the course of world cup qualifying. And, um, unfortunately my father passed away three weeks ago and I, I touched on it yesterday when Costa Rica won and a lot of people have reached out again, via Twitter and DMs and, and emails and text messages. And I just want to say thank you to all of those people, all of the listeners of Allocation Disorder who have, you know, who have been there and, and have, have been supportive um, throughout, the, throughout everything once they kind of ha- had an understanding, even an inkling. Um, I think it speaks to um, that kind of uh, audience that we were talking about that, that exists around this sport and this league and, and this, this podcast. Um, and so I just wanted to take uh, a second just to say thank you to everyone um, for that support back when I talked about it after that Costa Rica game um, and yesterday. Um, it, it means a lot. And and Sam, obviously, you know that that thank you extends to you in a, in a much bigger way. So I just wanted to say thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, for that message. I think I can speak for everyone listening to the show when we say we love you and uh, our hearts are with you and your family. Um, anyway. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for the kind words to Paul. Keep him coming. He deserves it. Um, And yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode of Allocation Disorder.